0: Hi, welcome to the Simply Lighthearted podcast. My name is Leora, and this is a place where I like to come and share stories and ideas about things that have been making a little room in my heart, something that has been that I've been wrestling with or thinking about or just something that I wanted to explore a little more. And what I want to do with this podcast is that I want to be able to share those ideas and thoughts that have been in my heart and my mind with you. And I see it kind of as like a paper lantern. You know, when people light a paper lantern, they hold on to it for a little minute and then they let it go and it goes up in the air. And when it's up in the air, people can see it and they can appreciate it from there. And so that's kind of how I see this podcast is that I have these ideas and these thoughts and I'm just going to release them out into the world and pray and hope that it reaches the ears of somebody who might relate or feel hopeful or see a little bit differently after listening. So if that's you, welcome here. I'm so glad that you're here and listening to this podcast today. And I hope that we walk away feeling a little bit lighter. Well, this is the second week of Advent. And Advent for me is a season where I really try hard to press into because Christmas is hard. It's hard for me in a lot of ways, and I think there's lots of different ways that people get ready for Christmas, and one of those ways is decorating their house. Do you decorate your house? <laughs> I do sometimes, but I, if I'm being completely honest, I don't often and i stopped decorating for christmas a couple of years ago i have on and off since then but basically for the last couple of years i haven't really gone very far in decorating for christmas i might put up some twinkle lights here and there um and uh, maybe a couple of christmas decorations but overall i stopped decorating for christmas um christmas doesn't look how i thought it would in my head and it just is a really challenging time of year and decorating for Christmas makes me sad. And so I just don't. I um, thought that my life would look different at this point. I thought that we would have children and there'd be all these fun family traditions we would do and we'd, decorate the tree together and it would be so fun and hard and I know I know those of you with children are thinking yeah decorating a tree with kids is really fun um I get that it's hard but it's also something beautiful and memories are made and when you decorate your Christmas tree alone when you're not even sure you're going to be home for Christmas day it just it loses something and I just I personally just don't love it and I don't like the thought of looking at it and being sad and then also the thought of having to deal with it after Christmas. So I just don't usually decorate for Christmas. All that to say that Advent has become a really important practice for me, is preparing my heart. I think there's lots of ways, like I said, to do that. And I think that this is the way that I have found works best for me. And so I start thinking about the Christmas story really early in the year, and start thinking about how I want to prepare my heart. Um, I want to focus on who God is and what he's like. I want to focus on getting my heart right around Christmas, um, which makes Christmas a little bit easier. It stops me from focusing on the things that I don't have and helps me focus on what is true. And what is true is that God came as a baby and he came Uh, to be a part of our story. And I'm just, I'm so thankful for that part. And so today I want to talk a little bit about Christmas story through a lens of two characters in the Bible, two people in the Bible, two of their stories. um, And uh, just to think a little bit about what maybe life was like for them at Christmas time, their Christmas time, which would have been the actual birthday of Jesus. And so obviously Christmas is a tradition that started long after this, but um, I just refer to it as Christmas because it's a little bit easier. The people I want to talk about today are Zachariah and Joseph. They're people that we might be familiar with in the Christmas story. I think they have such valuable, important places um, and they're really interesting men. And they have very interesting stories. And what I love to do is to kind of put my shoes on and think these are Zachariah's shoes. What might life have felt like to be Zachariah? What might life have felt like for Joseph as a person, not just as a character in a Bible story, but as a person? If I were to put on Joseph's shoes and walk around for a while, what would that seem, feel like, look like? And so I wanted to talk about Zachariah's story a little bit first. Zachariah was a Levitical priest, which means that he went to the temple and he would serve in the temple for about a week at a time. He would go in and do the priestly duties. There was all kinds of things that they had to do. They had to take care of the oil and the lamps, they had to help people as they brought their sacrifices, they had to light incense, they had to share the food with others, like the offerings that came in. There was just there was a lot of systems and things and and jobs for people of Le- the Levitical line to do uh, as a part of the worship of God for the nation of Israel. And so Zechariah was a part of that process. And the week that we meet him is the week that he is scheduled to be at work. And he was a little bit older at this time. And we don't know how old he was, or I don't know how old he was. um, But he was a little bit older. He was married, but he and his wife, Elizabeth, did not have any children. And they had been married long enough that this obviously was a heartache and a burden and a hard thing for Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And even in his comment later, we'll get to this, but even in his comment later that we are old in age, like we having a child at this age basically was kind of like a unexpected thing. And so he's, he's older, which means he's done his time in uh, the temple before and here he arrives and he's doing it again. And one of the things that I love about Zachariah is a, a phrase that jumped out to me for the very first time. Uh, this year while I was reading the Christmas story. Um, Zachariah was a man of hope. He was a man of faith. He was a man that believed that God could do anything. Because there's a part of the Christmas story where um, Zachariah is in the temple. He's doing his job. And as he's doing his job, one of the jobs that he had to do that week was he would go in before the presence of God with the incense and he would burn the incense. And this was something that wouldn't come up very often for the Levitical priests. This was something that would come up occasionally because it was kind of like of all of the Levitical priests, only a few were chosen by lot to go in and do this job. And so Zachariah was the one that was chosen this week to go in and do that. And so he's in the presence of God. He is burning the incense. He is doing the job in there. And while he's doing that, an angel of the Lord comes and has a conversation with Zechariah. Now, one of the things that you need to know, or if you don't already know, is that God to this point had been silent. Now, he wasn't silent in the sense that the world wasn't spinning and crops weren't growing and um, the sun didn't shine. Not that kind of not present. But the nation of Israel had had a, a unique connection with God where God would meet with his people. He would give messages to the prophets. He would do all kinds of things where it was very obvious that God was present and with this nation. But because of Israel's disobedience and because of their idol worship, God had removed that part of connection from the nation of Israel for 400 years. God had not had a direct conversation with the nation of Israel for 400 years. And so when this angel of the Lord comes and speaks to Zechariah, it is the first encounter that we hear about from God to the nation of Israel for 400 years. That's generations. Generations of people who had not heard from God. And so the fact that, that an angel comes to this lowly, no-name priest and gives him this message is a pretty fantastic thing. And the message that the, the angel has for Zachariah is a beautiful one. And it, it speaks to Zachariah's faith and his hope. Because this is the message that the angel starts with do not be afraid Zachariah for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John do you hear that do not be afraid Zachariah why because your prayer has been heard which means that he had been praying And I don't know if Zachariah had been praying a prayer daily, you know, like those ones that you kind of just end up doing day after day, your feet hit the floor. Thank you, God, for this day. I'm so glad that I'm alive. Thank you for the blessings in my life. I don't like, you know, that thing that you pray for daily, that just kind of becomes a part of your rhythm. Like maybe that's how Zachariah prayed. Maybe he had been praying every day, uh, Father, Lord Almighty, please give us a child and then moved on with his day. Or maybe because he had been in the presence of the Lord, he had taken this opportunity to ask of the Lord for this child. It was a unique opportunity being in the presence of God like he was. And so maybe he had taken that opportunity to pray this prayer. Please give us a child. Please give us a son. However, zachariah had been praying he had been praying he had prayed a prayer and there had been a sliver of hope that god could do this but i don't think zachariah believed that he would and i I think that because of how zachariah responded Zachariah wanted evidence, he wanted proof that God was going to do that, 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 that the, the proof of the angel, this is baffling to me, the proof that there is an angel, this being in front of him that is just otherworldly and beautiful and amazing and the fact that an angel is speaking to him, calling him by name, telling him about his wife Elizabeth and that his prayers have been heard, that wasn't proof enough. He, he wanted to know, okay, how can I know for sure? I am not going to go home to my wife Elizabeth and have this conversation with her without proof. Because when you've walked the journey of infertility and you've explored every route, everything, you are not putting your hope out there again without proof that this might be the thing. You've tried all this stuff. And I'm sure Elizabeth and Zachariah had tried every available thing to them during that time in the world, in medicine, in uh, hopefulness, in prayer, in all of the things. I'm sure that they tried it all. And he is not going home to his wife, holding out this candle of hope and then her being like, I am not having this conversation. We're not talking about this anymore because we have walked this road and I am not waking up again disappointed, heartbroken, grieving because I thought that this was going to come true and it's not. We've been here. We've done that. I am not doing it again. That's the conversation I can imagine Zachariah and Elizabeth having when Zachariah comes home and has that conversation. And so he is not going home without proof that this is going to happen. And so he kind of talks to the angel and he tells him like, "What? how can I know this is going to be true? Like, what is, why would this happen? So his sliver of hope, yes, he hoped in the God who could, but he didn't believe the God would. And those are two very different things. Oh, and man, can I relate to Zachariah? I can relate to him so hard because I believe that God can. I just don't know if God will. And that's such a hard tension to believe and live in. Because God can. But God doesn't always. And I I don't understand why. I don't understand why it's true in my story. And I don't understand why it's true in people I love's story. Where they have lots of painful, hard things going on in their lives. I don't understand why those things happen. And I don't know if I ever will this side of heaven. I don't understand God's nose. But I am learning to embrace his faithfulness. His care. His love for me. I'm learning to understand that his solution is Jesus coming as the savior of the world to deal with this brokenness forever. That this pain and the suffering will not last. That there is hope. There's hope because of Jesus and his coming as a baby. Back to Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah's is in there. And he's having this conversation with the angel and the angel is like, I stand in the presence of God. You get that? Right? Like I'm Gabriel. I am the Lord's messenger. I stand in the presence of God. And when I say that this is what God is going to do, God is going to do it. But because of your lack of faith, because you did not believe, here's the thing. You came in speaking, you're going out mute. You're going to go home mute. And now you're going to have to go home and have a conversation with your wife Elizabeth without words. Good luck. <laughs> it just makes me laugh so hard because he he's got to go home and have this conversation with his wife about what is going to happen, but all he has is a tablet. Something to write on. No tone, no intonation some hand gestures, some tears, but no words, no sound is coming out of Zachariah's mouth. He has to go and explain to his wife what he's seen and what God has said without words. I just think that that's such an amazing little thing that God did for Zachariah. That was kind of like, I see you. I know you're having a hard time believing. Here's your proof. You can't speak. <laughs> what? What a crazy thing. Zachariah finishes his week as uh, his job on duty as a Levitical priest. And he goes home to his wife. And they start the conversation. I have zero idea how that conversation went. But not long after that, Elizabeth is pregnant. So somehow Zachariah was able to communicate with her what was going to happen. And the rest is history. Zachariah's prayer had been answered. And although I thought that this story was going to be about grief and about even even about being in the splash zone of grief, because I think there's something very unique about um, the men in the relationships of couples that can't have children that I feel like sometimes that their grief is double. Because uh, women, or in my experience anyways, I, I am much more emotional. I feel things deeply. And I am much more impacted in a different visceral way than Dylan is. And I think his grief is doubled when I feel my grief. When I feel my hurt over not being able to have children. And so I think I think when I think about the story of Zachariah, I was thinking about the story through the lens of um, grief being the disruption. That, that it's not just the individual feeling the most grief, but being kind of in the splash zone of grief, being the one that jumps into the pool when the person is drowning and bobbing and just can't quite get their way through the grief and they jump in and they pull the person out again and they sit on the sideline. Like just that person that walks so closely and so deeply with a person that is grieving. I thought that that's what this story was going to be about. But I, but I think it's about something different. I think this story is a little bit more about how we can remember and celebrate how God will and can interrupt our stories with some very beautiful twists, things that we don't expect or understand. And sometimes it's the things that we hope and expect or really long for, like it is in the story of Zachariah and and Elizabeth. But sometimes it's the complete opposite. Those twists and turns and those interesting disruptions are things that we weren't expecting, things that we didn't hope for. And that brings us to our second character that I want to talk about, the second person in the Christmas story, the story of Joseph. The Bible says so little about Joseph as a person. We, we know a few things about him. We know that he's a carpenter. We know that he's from Galilee. Uh, we know he his family line, like where, what region he came from and who some of his relatives farther up the line are. Um, and we know that he's engaged to be married, to Mary. And that's about all we know about Joseph. We don't hear too much about him after the birth of Jesus. He just kind of floats off the radar. But let's remember that he as a person did not float off the radar. So let's talk a little bit about that. So Joseph, this interruption, this disruption was something that he wasn't looking for, that he wasn't longing for. Not in this way anyways. So Joseph was living a pretty average life. Um, I think he was following the normal steps. He had a career. He was engaged to be married. They probably had a like idea about where they were going to settle down. Maybe he had a house already. We don't know that part, but maybe. Um, and then there's kind of this, uh, you, these things that happened. <laughs> his career is going really well, maybe, I don't know. But he seemed to be set up for carpentry um, and, um, and he's going to get married and then they're going to have children, like everything's going to happen in all these right orders. Until one day his fiancee comes up to him and says, I'm going to have a baby. Yeah. I'm going to have a baby. It's not uh, anyone else's. It's not that I was unfaithful. Um, It's God's baby. An angel came and talked to me and told me about um, being pregnant. And I said, do as you will, God. I'm your servant. So not Joseph. (laughs) I mean... Remember, like, what I said about Zachariah, remember how I said that God had not spoken to anyone in the nation of Israel for over 400 years? Like, there had been no angel messengers, there had been no prophets, there had been nothing for over 400 years, and so now all of a sudden his fiance from a small town and nobody, not anything special... Is saying that she is one of the people that God has chosen to have a special connection with God that is going to carry God's baby. Like this is there are so many levels of unbelievable things in those thoughts and ideas and reality. That's kind of a crazy situation, right? Like this is this is kind of like I, I Joseph is thinking to himself. Oh, great! Now not only is my fiance Uh, unfaithful because who can get pregnant without being unfaithful Um, and not only that she's kind of crazy she's having some mental health problems and I think maybe she might need some help because she's she's saying that it's not anyone else's baby she's not been unfaithful it's God's baby God spoke to me Joseph is a good guy because he goes away And I I think he's like laying in bed, wake at night going, what am I going to do? What's the right step here? Okay, well, I think, I think the best thing to do is obviously Mary's not well, but I definitely can't marry her. And so I'm just going to divorce her. I'm just not going to marry her. That's what they used to, engagements were so serious back then that an engagement, if you broke off the engagement, it was like a divorce. And so he basically decides to divorce her quietly and just go on his way. And they would part ways and that would be the end of it. But once he had made that decision, as he's lying there, I can just imagine him like laying there looking at the ceiling of his house, thinking about what do I do? God, what do I do? How do I, this person that I was supposed to marry and love and be with for the rest of my life, like I can't, I can't do that, God. What's the right thing to do here? So the solution is that he's going to just break it off. Until an angel of the Lord comes and confirms with him that what Mary has said is true. That he needs to marry Mary. And that the baby that she's going to have is the Messiah. And that he is to name him. It is now Joseph's job to name him Jesus. The one who saves. Joseph is going to name him Jesus. Jesus. He is going to have a role in the life of Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah of the world. So, so Mary does have a baby. Joseph does marry Mary. But what we forget is that Joseph's life didn't end there, right? Like we, we kind of like get to this part of the story and we forget that Joseph actually was Jesus' dad. He was the one that was there when he took the first bites of solid food when he when he took his first steps Joseph was there clapping and excited and helping him walk when, when Jesus was a toddler and, and kind of getting into the mess of things and probably ruining Joseph's workshop Joseph was there when, when Jesus was when in his awkward middle years as a teenager or like a preteen Joseph was there as his dad joseph was there teaching him how to be a carpenter showing him the tricks of the trade joseph was there talking to him and teaching him the scriptures of who god is and what he's like bringing him to the temple being faithful as a father joseph didn't give up joseph's part of the story doesn't end right after jesus is born he 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 becomes jesus father he raises jesus with Mary he protects him he saves him he goes takes him down to, to Egypt when there's a problem and when God tells him to go they go and he moves him back to Galilee and he, he teaches them all of the things about what it looks like to be a human being to be a man in the world Joseph's life from this point forward is completely and forever disrupted by God's plan and from what we can tell Joseph embraced it This is not the life that Joseph had thought he would have. This isn't what he hoped and dreamed for. This probably created a lot of issues for him in his life, especially in those first years. It would have been a very challenging and difficult time in their life. And and Joseph doesn't shrink away. He embraced it. Life took a huge detour for Joseph and he went with it. It wasn't what he planned but he trusted God and he walked forward with with both of these men. Their lives were forever changed. One was walking towards something that he hoped and he prayed for. And then God answered, even though he didn't expect it. The other one, it was a completely left turn in his life. (laughs) Just like 180, other direction, not what I was expecting. This wasn't the plan I had for my life. These two men hold a very significant part of the Christmas story, of helping us see a little bit more about the character of God, but also how do we walk in these disruptions? How do we walk when life looks different than what we expect or what we hoped for or what we dreamed about? Zachariah kept praying, even if it was hard, even if in the long run, maybe he, he kind of had that mixed bag of belief and unbelief. They, they swam together, they, they were connected, that belief and unbelief for him. But he still kept praying and asking god for that thing that he longed for and then then joseph walking faithfully in the things that god had called him to even though it wasn't what he expected it wasn't what he signed up for He, he he went with it he embraced the life that god had given him and he was faithful in it so what about you and what about me what are some interesting and beautiful disruptions That are in your life that you never planned for. That you long for. Maybe there's things that you've prayed for but you haven't received. Or you haven't received it in a way that you expected it. These two men remind me that I need to have God's eyes. I need to ask God to see my life through his lens. I I don't always get it. I don't always understand what he's doing or why he's doing what he's doing. But I want to get better at embracing the disruptions. I want to get better at seeing my life through God's eyes. And so so that's what I want to encourage us to do this week. I want you to look around your life and look at the things that maybe you consider a disruption. Maybe it's something that you didn't expect to happen. Or maybe it's something that happened that you weren't expecting to happen that way or maybe it's something that hasn't happened yet and you're waiting and longing for it and it's a disruption because it hasn't happened yet and that's frustrating and hard maybe it's pain maybe it's hurt maybe it's joy unexpected maybe there's guilt in that joy because others are suffering what is the disruption in your life that you're facing right now that you need to look at through God's eyes That you need to put on his lens and go, okay, God, how do you see this? I want your eyes. I want to walk forward in faith with you in this. Like Zachariah and like Joseph. I don't always get it. (laughs) I don't always know what to do. But I I want to walk forward better with you. Thanks for listening. And uh, I hope you have a great week. And I'll see you all again next week.